0: On today's winning cures everything. Georgia hires Mike Bobo as their new offensive coordinator. Pac-12 media rights latest news. Ohio State cancels their home and home with Washington. And then we've got Notre Dame, Miami, and Maryland offensive coordinator hires. SEC scheduling news and more. Can you believe it? It's football. I've been watching it for forty years. Are you kidding? You're listening to Winning Cures Everything. Game day, baby. Wake up or get out. Here's your host a confident young man, a superb athlete, Gary Seegers. Welcome back to Winning Cures Everything, where we talk college football news and rumors all year round. I'm Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And this is the Thursday, February 16th edition of the show, Season 8, Episode 13. Now, if you are watching on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like button. You know what to do. Whether you're watching or listening, hit subscribe so you never miss the latest tales from the college football universe. Uh, First off, let me go in and say happy birthday to my mother. She will never hear this. Uh, My dad might, and he might let her hear it. But regardless, uh, happy birthday to my mom. Uh, February 16th, a, a good day in history for me. I guess you could say. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and toss in where you are watching from in the comments or the chat. You all know by now, I'm nosy. I want to know where you're watching because I just I just want to know where you're consuming the show. Uh, hopefully you all know how much I appreciate you for watching and for sharing the show, telling your friends about it, etc. I also appreciate the engagement. Uh, between this and, uh, and all of my other responsibilities, I don't get out as much as I used to. Uh, I did go out last night. I went to see Colter Wall at Minglewood Hall. In Memphis, and uh, and had a good time. Got to see some people I haven't seen in quite a while. Uh, enjoyed myself a little much. Stayed up a little late. We had tornadoes and whatnot, severe storms that came through last night in the Memphis area. Uh, so my voice is feeling it today, but uh, but you guys are not here for that. Let's go on and dive into the latest college football news. There's always a lot to discuss, uh, as you know. There is no rest for the wicked. So let's start off with Georgia. Todd Munkin, who served as the offensive coordinator for the Georgia Bulldogs for the last three seasons, he has announced that he will be leaving the program to join the Baltimore Ravens as their new O.C. Now, the news was a bit of a surprise, uh, at least for Georgia fans that hoped that Munkin would stick around in Athens after helping lead the team to the last two national championships. But let's not kid ourselves here. Like Munkin had openly spoken about getting back to the NFL where he was an O.C. with the Bucks and the Browns between 2016 and 2019. Uh, Kirby Smart himself has mentioned how ridiculous the college football calendar has gotten in recent years. So I would imagine that might have played a little bit of a role in this. Munkin's departure is a pretty big loss for Georgia. He was widely credited with transforming uh, the team's offense into one of the most potent in the country. In his last two seasons as O.C., The Bulldogs were number four in the country in yards per play. They averaged over 38 points per game, and they set multiple school records for offensive production behind quarterback Stetson Bennett. Uh, Munkin's offensive strategies, they were praised for their creativity, their aggressiveness, his play calling was seen as a key factor in the team's success. Now for Munkin, the move to Baltimore represents a new challenge. Right? Uh, the Ravens have one of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL Munken is going to be working with a talented group of receivers along with quarterback Lamar Jackson uh, he's going to be reunited with Ravens head coach John Harbaugh who actually served as Munkin's special teams coach at Indiana from 1997 to 2000 uh, Kirby Smart wasted no time in hiring Munkin's replacement of course Mike Bobo a former quarterback and assistant coach at Georgia he was elevated from his analyst role to be the new offensive coordinator for the Bulldogs within the hour Uh, This thing was basically set up from the get-go, right? So Bobo, who played quarterback at Georgia from 93 through 97, he began his coaching career as a graduate assistant for the Bulldogs in 2001. Uh, He spent 14 seasons at Georgia as an assistant coach, including eight years as the offensive coordinator under former head coach Mark Richt. Uh, During his time as OC, he helped lead the Bulldogs to five SEC East titles, and his offenses were consistently among the best in the conference. Uh, but after leaving Georgia in 2014, Bobo spent five seasons as the head coach of Colorado State. Uh, Georgia fans will tell you uh, they were not exactly upset when he left. Right when he left, Mark Richt, um, his offenses were widely viewed as predictable in Athens. Now, Colorado State went 10 and three in Jim McElwain's final season in 2014. Bobo led the team to a seven and six record in his first three seasons before falling to three and nine and four and eight in his last season. After that. He went to coach at South Carolina as the offensive coordinator for two seasons before being hired by Auburn in the same position in 2021, and and while this kind of feels like it's come full circle, like Bobo's stock had certainly fallen. He was fired at Colorado State. He was only at South Carolina for one season before Will Muschamp was fired, and then he was fired by Auburn and Brian Harson uh, after his only season on the Plains back in 2021. He brings a wealth of experience as a quarterback and offensive coach to the team, and His familiarity with the program and its culture is definitely a significant asset. Uh, With his track record of success, you know, both as a coach and a player, like, Bobo's expected to help Georgia maintain its status as one of the top teams in the country. Uh, But that's where this gets kind of tricky to me. We really get to see what Kirby Smart has built here. Georgia fans hate being compared to Alabama and Nick Saban. uh, But when you start winning national championships at the clip that they are, and recording, you know, at a top three level regularly— uh, it is what it is. Like Saban has been able to consistently win, despite constant staff churn, uh, as evidenced by winning SEC and national championships with, you know, all the different offense coordinators that they've had—Lane Kiffin, Brian Dable, Loxley, Sarkeesian, Bill O'Brien—recently, uh, and that's all within the last nine seasons. Uh, Bobo has not exactly been seen as a success in his last four stops. Um, it, let, let's go through it. I mean, at Colorado State, they they went four and eight. In his last season, his offense at South Carolina was number 98 in points per game. Uh, they only averaged 23.5. They went two and eight overall, and then 0 three with him as the interim head coach after Muschamp was let go at Auburn. They started six and two and ended six and seven. Now, there's a little bit of context needed there, of course, with Bo Nix getting hurt late in the season. But they were only number 68 in points per game on the season, 28.3. And after Bo Nix went out, uh, the last five games of the year, they only averaged 17.8 points per game. Like, Georgia's offense is known for its balance in recent years. Strong running game, complemented by a talented passing attack. Bobo is going to be tasked with continuing that. Uh, Overall, I guess Bobo's hire is seen nationally as a pretty positive move for Georgia football. Like, I, I look at it. How about this? One thing you're going to see with this hire is the difference when you have the best players in the country against when you're at South Carolina or Auburn under Brian Harson, et cetera. If, if George's offense is successful, it doesn't necessarily mean that Bobo has changed a whole lot as a coach. Like it, to me, it just means his offense was always best suited for players that are capable of executing his scheme. Like I, I don't think there's a whole lot that changes here, uh, but it does show you, you know, at the the hire by Auburn. To bring in Mike Bobo for Brian Harson's first half was highly criticized. You don't see a whole lot of criticism right now with what Kirby Smart is doing, so we shall see what ends up happening here. Winning Cures Everything is brought to you by BetUS, with fast payouts, fantastic customer service, a myriad of options to bet on, and of course, an easy to use layout. That's pretty important, right? Uh, it is easy to see why it has been America's favorite online sports book for nearly 30 years. Right now, you can wager with a $50 free play with no deposit required just by signing up using the link in the description. So take advantage of the deal. Get yourself signed up over at BetUS, where the game begins. All right, so we will move on. We got to talk about the Pac-12 again. I know you guys just love this. We are just staying on this one. The Pac-12 put out a statement on Monday stating that all of the schools are unified and they are excited about the future with a new TV deal coming soon. Well, let's rehash a bit. Fox Sports CEO Eric Shanks, of course, was on with Andrew Marshand and John Orand last week and basically said that Fox is not interested in the Pac 12. This week, Marshand and Orand, I hope, I'm, I'm hope that I'm saying that right, uh, but they reported that Amazon does not want tonnage, uh, but that it's more likely that Amazon is going to save up for the NBA and for NASCAR. And if you do end up as the Pac 12 with Amazon, the streamer is not going to overpay market value. The problem there is that Amazon really only wants one game a week, and that is the top game each week. Like, the Pac-12 wants the top game to be available on linear television for exposure purposes, and they want the second, third, and maybe even the fourth game to be available to a streamer. So then, of course, you've got the Bob Iger Disney earnings call where ESPN and Jimmy Bataro were brought up and how they're going to have to be more selective going forward, especially in light of having to lay off around 7,000 employees. Now, Iger has been clear about the difference in the past between must-have programming and nice-to-have programming. I will let you figure out which one the Pac-12 is. Uh, In his earnings call, he stated this. We've locked in a number of deals already, including some of the biggest ones, which is college football with the SEC, as well as with the NFL. The one that's looming is the NBA. He said, I know that's on people's minds, which is a product that we've enjoyed having and hope to continue to enjoy having Uh, because not only it's volume, but it's quality. ESPN has been selective in the rights that they've bought. I've had long conversations about this with Jimmy Pataro, and we've had some decisions uh, that we've got to make coming up, not on anything particularly large, but on a few things. And we're simply going to have to get more selective. ESPN Plus actually has grown nicely for us, and it's shown us that the ESPN brand can be enjoyed and can be expressed well as a streaming brand, and I think that we are going to continue to look at that as a potential pivot for ESPN away from the linear business, but we're not going to do that precipitously, we're not going to do that until it really makes sense from an economic perspective. So, let's break that down a little bit. He did not mention the Pac-12. He mentioned the NBA as the one that's coming up. And his reasoning was for the volume and the quality. Pac-12 football quality certainly went up in the last year, but it hasn't always been like that. And the basketball, to be honest, has been pretty blah for several years now. Uh, on the other side, like, let's focus again on that statement that he said. He said, we're simply going to have to get more selective. Now, he said that they have already been selective, and they'll have to be more so going forward. ESPN already has football deals with these leagues. All right, let's, let's list them off. The AAC the MAC, Conference USA, which was just announced in November, the Sunbelt, which runs through 2030 and was just announced last July, the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC. They've got everything, including weeknights, pretty much filled up other than that one late-night window on Saturday night or maybe on Friday nights. like Any deal that the Pac-12 gets done with ESPN is likely going to have to be okay with being on ESPN Plus some and on late-night ESPN. Now, adding to all of that, Brett McMurphy from the Action Network tweeted out that CBS and Turner are no longer involved in the Pac-12's media rights negotiations. That means no Paramount Plus either. It also means that CBS was at least at the table, so I guess that's good. Uh, and usually, when a potential partner lets it be known that they are out on a deal, that means that the deal should be pretty close to done with other partners, right? At least you would assume. So let's figure this out. Fox and CBS, they're out. They're out on the negotiations. Or, or at least they're not interested. ESPN is going to have to be very picky, or at least they said, so they're not going to overspend. Amazon only wants one game per week, and they're more interested in a potential uh, NBA and NASCAR package. So they won't be overpaying either. Now, I guess that that leaves Apple, who hasn't done anything in the college sports space as of yet that I know of. Uh, there's no proof of concept with them to this point. And on top of that, Apple hasn't even been named as a potential bidder yet. Like, NBC opened the bank for the Big Ten Saturday night game. They've already got Notre Dame. Would NBC maybe be interested in a USA Network, like, Peacock streaming package? How much would you even pay for that? Uh, My guess is here, with the latest information, uh, the Pac-12 is forced to give Amazon their top game, and then ESPN gets the rest at basically just a bargain price. My guess, like, each school ends up making in the neighborhood of, like, 25 to $27 million off this TV deal, which still might make sense for all of them, especially with the CFP and NCAA tournament money coming in. Uh, if the only potential expansion suitor is the Big 12, the Pac-12 schools could easily make up that 5 to $7 million less that they would earn per year than the Big 12 schools just by not having to travel all the way to Morgantown and Orlando. Now, obviously, obviously all of this is fluid, but the feeling is that we're getting closer to, uh, to stability for at least a few years, which, you know, I don't know about you guys, I'm pretty ready for things to calm down, like keeping up with all this mess is hard, but again, something to pay attention to, uh, a potential bidder or somebody that was at the negotiating table has now dropped out, that typically means something is getting close, we will see what that looks like. Uh, just a reminder here, our goal is to hit 10,000 subscribers on YouTube by the end of the 2023 football season. We're well on the way to that. Uh, we're, we're nearly to 8,200 subscribers on the channel. And I, again, I say we, you guys are very much a part of this thing. You guys are the community. Every like, every share, every subscribe button pressed helps out an absolute ton. Uh, all that stuff that you do, like the likes and the subscribes and commenting, etc. Like it, it helps out. Uh, big time. So do me that favor. Helps out with the algorithm. YouTube pushes it out more. And and the same can be said for, like, reviews and subscribes at Apple and Spotify, etc. So help me out over there if you would. Uh, They push out the show more when you subscribe and when you give it a nice review. So thank you if you've already done that. If you haven't, go ahead and knock that bad boy out. All right. We're going to stay with the Pac-12 a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit of uh, Big Ten here. We had... Some other big news hit on Wednesday. Ohio State has canceled their home-and-home series with Washington in 2024 and 2025. Uh, Ohio State said that they were going to abide by the terms of the contract, including any liquidated damages. Now, the series was announced in April of 2017. It had Ohio State traveling to Seattle in 2024, and it had Washington traveling to Columbus in 2025. The Washington AD Jennifer Cohen stated, We are very disappointed that our student-athletes, staff, and Husky Nation won't get to experience these two games with Ohio State. Everyone has had these dates circled for a number of years, and we were looking forward to these opportunities to compete against the Buckeyes. We are in the process of finding new opponents for the 2024 and 2025 seasons, and we'll provide an update as soon as we have one. First off, Ohio State has a series scheduled with Texas in 2025. And in 2026. So playing Texas and Washington in 2025, along with a nine game Big Ten schedule, seemed pretty ambitious from the get go, right? But there's not currently another P5 opponent for Ohio State in 2024, which makes this very interesting. Usually, rather than canceling an entire series, you cancel the second game or the first game, whatever it is. You push it to a later date. We've seen that happen with. For example, Alabama. They had a series with Notre Dame scheduled for 2028 and 2029, but then they scheduled a series with Ohio State, with games set to take place in 2027 and 2028, and with Oklahoma State, with games booked in 2028 and 2029. So originally, the 2028 season would have had an eight-game SEC schedule with Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, and Ohio State in the non-conference. So Alabama pushed the Notre Dame games back to 2029 and 2030. So you don't just completely cancel the series, you just push back the date. However, we have seen some instances recently of schools canceling non-conference series just flat out. First, we saw Michigan cancel games with UCLA for 2022 and 2023. Now, the biggest reason at the time, or I guess that wasn't 20, that's this year and next year. Yeah, no, that's right, that's right, 2022 and 2023 Uh, Now, the biggest reason at the time was to make sure that Michigan had seven home games in both seasons, and there was also talk of renewing the Notre Dame rivalry at the time. So there could have been other things at play, but the series was canceled back in summer of 2019. UCLA announced they were joining the Big Ten in 2021, so maybe there were some dots connected. Who knows? Uh, This past year, Georgia was directed to cancel a 2023 non-conference game with Oklahoma, which obviously made sense because they weren't going to be able to finish out the home-and-home before Oklahoma joins the SEC. So, of course, going around on Twitter and other social media, does this mean that Washington could be headed to the Big Ten? Now, we just talked about the mayhem going on with the Pac-12 TV deal and what they can reasonably expect to get in their media rights negotiations. Uh, the Big Ten does not currently have a commissioner, but if you remember, their upcoming TV deal does have an escalator clause in case of further expansion. Now, it's been reported that, that it only names Notre Dame in that uh, escalator clause. But, you know, the question here, could Big Ten presidents be realizing that they can get Washington and maybe another school to join for cheaper than USC and UCLA? Like, other Big Ten members will be uh, averaging media payouts over $50 million next year. Could they get Washington to take, like, $35 million a year for a few years in order to pair them back up with USC and UCLA? Uh, you know, Washington does it to make sure their athletics programs are stable in the future. Like, all that sounds great, but I don't think it's happening. And the tell was pretty easy. Like, if Washington was going to join the Big Ten, why would they make a big deal about Ohio State canceling the series and paying the buyout? Like, remember, the report said Ohio State is going to pay the cancellation fee, including any liquidated damages. Like, if you're going to be conference cohorts, they'd have nixed that thing. They probably wouldn't have announced this cancellation at all. Like, truth be told, this cancellation could just be about the Texas series. Uh, But to me, the real answer is that Ohio State knows that they are going out to L.A. to play either UCLA or USC in 2024. And my guess is they don't want to schedule two West Coast road trips in the same season. Like, I believe you're going to see less of a priority on non-conference scheduling going forward in the Big Ten and likely in the SEC as well. Like, I would not be surprised to see schools cancel a lot of these big-time home-and-homes that you already see scheduled. Uh, We've already got, like, Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Florida State, Michigan, Oklahoma, UCLA, Auburn, Minnesota, Alabama, etc. like this just happened to be the first one. Once you get into a 16 team league and you change up the scheduling, etc., there's no reason to do this anymore. Especially with the expansion of the playoff. Like there's no reason to do it. So I don't think that you have too much to read into on Ohio State canceling this series, but I could be wrong about that, obviously. We'll wait and see. Uh, My guess is this is just the first of many of these big-time non-conference matchups that are going to either be bought out or both sides will say, eh, we're just going to scrap that. Just a guess. And on the other side, we got a lot to talk about as far as more hirings, including Notre Dame's offensive coordinator mess, Miami and Maryland uh, hire new offensive coordinators, a story about how the Utah school president sabotaged expansion for BYU and Utah State uh, and a whole lot more. Let's check out some things you should know about. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, expert game analysis only on the Bet US TV College Football Channel. All right. Notre Dame, nearly a week ago, had targeted Utah offensive coordinator Andy Ludwig as their new offensive coordinator. Ludwig was on campus meeting with Marcus Freeman over the weekend, and then once Monday got here, it was crickets. Like, no news. Until late Monday afternoon, or evening, when it was announced that Ludwig was staying at Utah. Apparently, there was a snag in the negotiations. And apparently, Notre Dame had hoped that Utah would be willing to negotiate the buyout in Ludwig's contract, which... If reports are correct, is about 2.8 million dollars. So if Notre Dame were to give Ludwig a three-year guaranteed deal at, let's just throw out two million dollars per season, uh, which is apparently what Reese was making, uh, you know, and that would be a, a reasonable bump for Ludwig. He's currently making, I think, on average, like 1.25, 1.3 million somewhere around there. Uh, you go ahead and tack on another 933 thousand dollars per season. And that would be the actual value of the contract they would have to give Ludwig. So suddenly you've got an offense coordinator that costs the school almost $3 million per season. Now I know that the cost of coordinators is going up, but that is a big, big jump. Now this was obviously the guy that Freeman wanted as evidenced by the fact that Uh, They flew him into South Bend on a private jet. They weren't trying to hide him when he was out here. Uh, He was with Freeman at the Notre Dame-Ohio State hockey game. They had him on the the video screen. It certainly seems weird to put your head coach in such a weird position, right? Like, this is a bad spot. Uh, The guy that he's parading around campus isn't really available because the school is not willing to pay him. And they brought him in because they hoped that Utah would negotiate the buyout. Or worse, they just didn't actually know what the buyout numbers were? Like, toss onto this the fact that Ludwig's offensive line coach, Jim Harding, would have been a great replacement for, again, retired Irish off- uh, offensive line coach, excuse me, Harry Highstand. Uh, so instead, it was announced on Wednesday that Notre Dame had hired quarterback coach Gino Guadugli, who just took a job at Wisconsin with Luke Fickle. He had been the quarterback coach and the play caller for Cincinnati's offense for the last two seasons, which by the way included a CFP berth and a win over the Irish in South Bend, uh, it, it's typically a little strange to hire a quarterback coach before an AC, excuse me an OC, uh, as those guys will typically work together. In this case, Gino was announced first, and then they announced that Notre Dame tight end coach Gerard Parker was elevated to the offensive coordinator position. Now, Parker and Freeman worked together at Purdue. Uh, he had previously been the running back coach at Cincinnati, wide receivers coach at ECU, and at Penn State. Uh, he was most recently the offensive coordinator at West Virginia for 2020 and 2021 before joining Freeman's first staff. Now, maybe Parker and Gino work out great. Uh, Douglas Farmer, uh, the Notre Dame writer over at NBC Sports, he told me, and, and I agree with this wholeheartedly, most college football fans or media members probably don't know enough to gauge any assistant coaching hire, because we're not smart enough. Like, <laughs> there's there's no way for us to understand the dynamics at play, the relationships on the staff, uh, the relationships with the players, etc. So while this feels like it might be a little underwhelming for Irish fans, like let's let's just practice a little patience. Let's see where this goes. This hire does not mean that Notre Dame was you know pinching pennies to find their next OC. It just means that they made a, a brief mistake during the search. Uh, with not figuring out buyout numbers before they brought somebody in. Now, maybe this ends up going incredibly well. Who knows? Uh, But at the end of the day, Notre Dame finally has their dude after a very long search. So, cheers to Marcus Freeman for getting that thing knocked out. Tulane. Got to talk about Willie Fritz. You guys know how much I love Fritz. Tulane has hired Troy's Sheil Wood as their new defense coordinator. Now, he was only at Troy for one season under John Sumrall, uh, but his defense ranked number 8 in scoring defense, and he helped the team finish with a 12-2 and record. He was an assistant coach at Army for two seasons. He previously worked at Georgia State, Georgia Tech, uh, and as the D.C. at FCS Wofford. Uh, Troy's opening is going to be the 39th D.C. opening in FBS this offseason. Uh, the churn the is absolutely real. I couldn't find a whole lot about Wood, I don't know much about this hire. I'm not even going to make a guess. It seems good. He had a great first season at Troy. But I'll tell you, that Troy defense had a lot of talent. Just an absolute ton of talent. And the defense is the reason that they were even competitive under uh, uh, Chip Lindsey. So, you know, we'll we'll see about this one. We'll see. I, I think Tulane still has some pretty good talent. Uh, but this will be an interesting hire nonetheless. Let's talk about the SEC. Trey Wallace over at Outkick.com, he sat down with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, who told him that the SEC expects to have their future uh, football scheduling format decision before the spring meetings in Destin, which, of course, you're a year away from adding you know, two more members. That makes sense to go and get this thing done quicker, right? But uh, an interesting thing that he also threw out there on Twitter today He said the future of scheduling includes having ESPN and the SEC release kickoff times during the summer for most games, not having to wait until 12 days out. Now, this sounds kind of NFL-ish, right? Like, you can only do stuff like this when you only have one network partner. Obviously, certain games can be flexed for certain times on weekends. Like, for example, if, uh, if LSU and South Carolina... Are battling for a conference championship spot in November one year. But this game was previously scheduled for 11 a.m. on the SEC network. You can pretty much guarantee that game is going to move to the afternoon or primetime ABC spot, right? And I actually talked to, uh, to Chris about this. You guys remember Chris? Like, he used to be on the show with me. You can go reach out to him, by the way. He's at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. He still loves football, he'll engage with you. A- anyway, he and I discussed the thought of. Uh, You know, of having specific windows like the NFL. Taking advantage of less utilized times. Uh, We watched Florida and Florida State put up almost 7 million viewers on Black Friday last year. You can eventually put, like, the third best SEC game of the week on a Friday night and draw a massive number. It increases exposure, etc. Now, will area high schools be upset? Yeah. Will coaches be irritated that they can't be out recruiting on a Friday night before a game? Yeah. But... Will it do a monster number for the network and lead to, you know, an even bigger rights deal going forward? Yeah. not a doubt that that ends up happening, uh, at least not for a long, long time. There is a tradition of Saturday SEC games, and anyone that had to play on ESPN on a random Thursday night back in the early 2000s complained until it was no longer done. Uh, Big Ten schools have complained for years about having to play on Friday nights for FS1. Uh, But it's a market that the NFL does not own yet, and we know that there are people that will watch. So just something else to look at going forward with this. But yeah, lots, uh, lots going on with the sec scheduling format coming up in the very near future. Let's talk about the hurricanes. Got to write my times down. Of course, Mario Cristobal in Miami hired Shannon Dawson to be the hurricane's new offensive coordinator. Now, with all the names that were rumored around on message boards, you know, Cliff Kingsbury was found in a hotel – not a hotel, excuse me, in an airport in, uh, in Miami. Uh, Jason Candle was seen in Miami, et cetera. All this mess. Like, this, this hire of Dawson doesn't exactly look like a big-time hire. But Dawson has been with Dana Holgerson for quite some time. I would doubt that you can find somebody more qualified to run an offense. Like, Dawson was Holgo's OC at West Virginia – when they transitioned from the Big East into the Big 12. Uh, And he was then hired by Mark uh, Mark Stoops at Kentucky for one season. Uh, He ended up with Jay Hobson at Southern Miss from 2016 through 2018. And then he rejoined with Holgerson on his first staff at Houston, and he's been his OC and quarterback coach for the past three seasons. He helped take quarterback Clayton Toon to brand new heights at Houston and a 12-2 record back in 2021. Now, this is the second coordinator hire, though, that Cristobal has made that doesn't have any ties to South Florida, or honestly, like the state of Florida at all. He's got no ties to the ACC. Uh, but being around Hogo for as long as he has been, like the man obviously knows offense. He'll be tasked with resurrecting Tyler Van Dyke's career. Um, I mean, last year, Tyler Van Dyke's career nearly careened off of a cliff. Like It's another interesting hire for Cristobal going into his second season that could absolutely work out well. I mean, you you know what I said about Lance Guidry, Um, but this one is one that we're gonna have to wait and see on because i I don't know the chemistry. I don't know what the dynamics of that staff are going to be. Uh, but it's it's interesting. It's not a terrible name, but it's one that doesn't have a whole lot of experience in the footprint where they are, or excuse me, where they are going to be. We've got another hiring to discuss. <laughs> The coaching carousel, I think, is finally winding down. We think. Mike Loxley and the Maryland Terrapins have hired Kevin Sumlin as their new offensive coordinator. You want to talk about a blast from the past on this one. Uh, Sumlin was the head coach of the Houston Gamblers in the USFL in 2022. He was previously head coach at Arizona. That one didn't end well. Texas A&M. That one didn't end well. And Houston. That one did end well. Uh, most everyone associates him with having Cliff Kingsbury as his offensive coordinator and, of course, Johnny Football as his quarterback in his first season at Texas a where the team went 11-2, including a win over number 1 Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Loxley stated this about the hire. He said, Kevin brings a wealth of knowledge and experience to our staff, and I could not be more thrilled that he is joining our program. Uh, my relationship with Kevin goes back over 25 years. He has a tremendous football mind along with a proven track record of developing players and winning at the highest levels. I'm excited to welcome him and his family to College Park. Now, I did some digging, and I could not find the connection between the two. Like, they've never coached together, from what I could tell. Like, 25 years ago, Sumlin was the wide receivers coach at Purdue, uh, where he came over after spending, like, four years at Minnesota. Loxley was the running backs coach at Maryland uh, after a brief stint as a wide receivers coach at Army. Like, it... It, Maryland and Purdue were not in the same conference at that point. <laughs> so I don't know where the relationship began. I mean, I'm sure it was a coaching clinic or something along those lines. But regardless, Sumlin does get to work with Talia Tangavaloa, but he's going to have to develop some skill talent. Maryland loses basically everybody else. Uh, I'm very interested in how this works out. I wasn't exactly sure that Sumlin wanted to give the college game another go. Uh, but we'll see what ends up happening here. I mean, he's, he's, not, he's not that old. Kevin Sumlin, I think, is 58 years old. This is an interesting hire for Loxley. Very, very interesting. All right, on the other side, uh, we hit on a great story about Mountain West expansion, uh, which, I mean, I just brought it up. BYU, Utah State, and Utah, just what a mess. Uh, An Oregon wide receiver was arrested and dismissed from the team. Bill Conley released his new SP Plus rankings and more. Let's check out some things you should know about follow the show on twitter at winning cures and you can follow gary at gary wce you can also follow on facebook got your own podcast or web show looking to start one or you're just curious how we look and sound so good well we've got all the gear that we use listed on our gear page on the website and if you order using our links you'll be supporting the show too subscribe on YouTube to get not only full Winning Cures Everything shows but individual segments and other goodies as well. We're over 6,000 subscribers and our goal by the end of the year is 7,500. If you're interested in advertising on a show that reaches over 80,000 unique football fans per month during the season send an email to Gary at Everything.com and we'll put together a plan that best fits you or your business. And now, back to the show. All right, moving right along. Uh, I'm not going to be able to give this story the full time that it deserves, but I did want to go ahead and put this out there. Uh, I've linked the article from vanquishthefoe.com in the description. It is such an interesting read about a pivotal moment in the history of the Mountain West Conference. Now, apparently, back in 2010, Utah had been invited to join the Pac-12 from the MWC. BYU was looking for a way out of the Mountain West and you could totally understand it, right? Because it, the, the television deal that they had was just garbage. Just, it was not good. Uh, but BYU was trying to find their way out of the Mountain West. They had been in talks with Utah State and ESPN about joining the WAC, which was home at that point to teams like Fresno State and Nevada at the time. Now, this little coup was called The Project by most, and the WAC presidents speculated about luring teams like San Diego State, UNLV, and Gonzaga. Because they were planning on a big ESPN deal, which meant uh, better distribution than what the Mountain West had at the time with the Comcast upstart CSTV. Uh, most people believe that Conference USA tipped off Mountain West Commissioner Craig Thompson, who then forged Mountain West expansion, uh, and that led to you know a better TV deal, et cetera. But the person who actually tipped off Thompson on BYU, Utah State, and the Wax Plan was actually Utah President Mike Young, who was leaving the Mountain West. Now, Craig Thompson, now retired MWC commissioner, he told Chris Vanini from The Athletic, and I'm going to quote this. He said, I can tell this story now because it's been a long time. I get a call from the president at Utah, Mike Young, and he says, I want you to be aware BYU and others are orchestrating a move to take Mountain West schools into the WAC. How nuts is this story? Right Now, we all know that there's backroom dealings going on in conference realignment, but this was crazy. Like, snitching on a rival to a conference commissioner who then goes and blows up the whole plan? Like, that thing is awesome. This is movie script awesome. Do yourself a favor. Go read the full article. I got the link in the description, but it is fantastic. It's over at vanquishthefoe.com. Uh, it's the BYU uh, fan page for SB Nation. It is, it's fantastic stuff over there. I highly, highly Recommend that you go and read this article all the way through. Let's see. We're going to talk Oregon. New Oregon wide receiver Sean Holden, who just transferred in from Alabama in December, was arrested and dismissed from Coach Dan Lanning's program on Wednesday. Uh, Yahoo Sports said, according to online court records, Holden, who is 21, was hit with felony unuseful, unuseful. Wow. Felony unlawful use of a weapon and coercion charges, as well as a misdemeanor charge for menacing. Uh, it said, Holden remains in custody in Lane County Jail as of Wednesday afternoon. No details about what led to Holden's arrest were immediately available. Let's read those again. Felony unlawful use of a weapon and coercion. Like Those are Class C felonies. Like Holden could potentially serve time in prison for these. Like, this is this is pretty serious stuff here. We're gonna have to keep uh, an eye on this situation. But man, like I I hate to see a kid with that much talent just throw it away doing something dumb. I am so curious what actually went on here. But that's not something you read every day about college athletes. Like I'm not gonna lie, not gonna lie about that. Bill Conley, his early SP Plus ratings uh, were released over at ESPN on Wednesday. Now, I enjoy looking at what he has to say about teams, et cetera. You'll, you'll never believe who's number one this time. Of course, it's Georgia. Uh, but I'll give you some quick teams that I think are under and overrated here, which these are not the final rankings. But alas, it, it's fun to pick out the outliers, of course. As far as overrated teams, he's got Alabama at number 40. Uh, excuse me, number four. I think that might be a bit high, depending on... What this team looks like, especially early, but you know, number four, they they lose just a ton uh, at quarterback, at skill position, on defense, etc. Like that, that's it's a lot. Uh, number six, Tennessee, I think might be a little bit overrated. Look, like Joe Milton is interesting. Josh Heupel's offense was a lot of fun this past year, but if that team, you know, if Clemson is able to execute a little better, and they're able to finish some drives. If uh, if Alabama ends up beating them, you know, and Tennessee doesn't win on a last-second field goal, let's say Tennessee was 8-4. and four. Is Tennessee really number six here? Like, and I understand that these are ratings, but I'm just, just throwing it out there. Uh, number 20, Florida. I don't know who's going to play quarterback at Florida. Like, I, I think it's going to be Graham Mertz. Like, we've watched Graham Mertz. Like, I mean, come on. Uh, number twenty-three Mississippi State. I think that state might take a massive drop off, uh, so we'll see what happens there. I'm again. I'm curious your thoughts on this. Toss them in the in the comments here. As far as underrated teams in Bill Conley's S P Plus, number eleven Florida State. Uh, I think that's easily a top ten team, and it might be a top five team. Uh, number sixteen Washington. Again, that is a team that is returning a lot. Uh, I think they're going to be awesome. Number 56, Duke. Now, no, they're not the most talented team. And yes, the schedule sets up uh, kind of difficult this year. But hey, another year, more experience. You got Riley Leonard back. Like, I, I think they could they could make some noise. Number 62 is BYU. And I've got them as underrated as well. Even going into the Big 12, I just don't believe that BYU is not going to have some dude. Like, I know they're losing Jaron Hall, et cetera, but, like, I think they're going to be able to figure it out. Like, Kalani Satake always has really, really tough teams. Uh, this doesn't have to do with a team schedule. It's, it's just a rating. Uh, it's basically how one team would do against another on a neutral field. Uh, but let me know what you guys think about my list and whether you agree with me or not. Uh, give me some teams that I missed, et cetera. Toss them in the comments there. Uh, we got some more news about, uh, about let's see, Alabama. Nick Saban. Uh, Nick Saban and Alabama have hired Ken Wisenhunt as a special assistant to the head coach. Wisenhunt has been an NFL head coach with the Cardinals and the Titans. He won a Super Bowl as the OC of the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, but was most recently an offensive analyst with Penn State. The last two years, he is the father-in-law to current Alabama offensive analyst and former LSU quarterback Zach Mettenberger. This was an interesting hire when it was announced last night because you you, I mean, you want to talk about overqualified. Like, <laughs> this guy's been around the block a little bit. Uh, he knows what he's doing. But this is, a, I think, a good hire for Nick Saban. Um, you know, bringing in somebody else, especially for a young offensive coordinator like Tommy Reese, uh, you're bringing in a guy that knows offense, especially at the NFL level. This is a, this is a good spot. This is a good spot for him. Uh, moving along. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, we have to hit on this one. Matt Weiss. I told you guys that I would update you on the Matt Weiss story once we had more information. Matt Weiss, the former Michigan co-offensive coordinator that was let go in January after the the FBI raided his home and arrested him for computer crimes. Uh, Per Outkick.com, a University of Michigan memo released on Monday detailed that Weiss was fired on January 20th after failing to attend a meeting on January 19th regarding the allegation of inappropriate access to computer accounts within Schembechler Hall. The probe had investigated computer uh, access violations that infringed on the University of Michigan's standard practice guide, the SPG policies. Uh, now, the investigation alleges that Weiss accessed the computer accounts at Schimbechler, uh where Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh happens to work. Now, that was back in December. Like, no specifics have been provided on which accounts he accessed or the content involved in the violation, uh, Michigan's Executive Associate Athletic Director, Doug Notke uh, sent the following to Weiss on January 20th. It said, Because you did not attend this meeting and offer any additional information, we are making our decision based on the evidence that we have. Based on the evidence, it appears that you have inappropriately accessed the computer accounts of other individuals in violation of SPG 601.07. As a result, your appointment has been terminated with cause. So, again, no firm details as to whose accounts he was accessing or why. And there's no statements from Weiss, but it's, this is still a pretty serious allegation. Like, I'm not going to speculate here, but the saga just continues in Ann Arbor. Uh, We may never get full resolution on this. Like, (laughs) I mean, who knows? And so, I've only heard that about it, but it's, It's some interesting, interesting stuff going on with that one. We've already got multiple FBS teams that have started spring practice, which means that we are getting closer to spring games. Now, here's a list of teams that have already started. Uh, We've got Bowling Green that started on January 30th. Their spring game is going to be on March 4th. Hawaii started on February 6th. Their spring game is going to be on March 3rd. Georgia State started on February 13th. So, just earlier this week, their spring game will be on March 9th, and New Mexico, uh, excuse me, not New Mexico State, New Mexico, the Lobos, they started on February 14th, and they are now going to have their spring game on March 6th. Uh, Air Force just started on the 14th as well. Uh, Their spring game is to be determined. Uh, But there's three more that will have started by the time we talk next week. San Diego State, starting on February 20th, their spring game will be on March 23rd. Michigan also starting on February 20th. Their spring game will be on April 1st. And then App State. They are starting on February 20th, and their spring game is to be determined. Uh, let's double check for some updates see if there's anything else that we need to hit on. Let's see. Luke Fickle to hire former Cincinnati assistant Nate Letton as tight ends coach. Da, 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 da. It appears we are good. We are good to go. Ah, Jimmy Lake is being hired to a Uh, to an unspecified role with the L.A. Rams. The SEC announced uh, dates and coaches' appearance schedule for the 2023 media days, which that's not going to happen until later. Oh, and Michigan linebackers coach George Hilo mutually parts ways with the program. So, still a lot that we will probably dive into on Monday. So, that is going to wrap things up for this edition of Winning Cures Everything. Again, if you haven't already, click that like button for me. Make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. We're reaching for 10 k Like, jump in the comments. I want to know your thoughts on everything that we discussed today. Make sure and get signed up over at BetUS. Uh, There's a link in the description to do that. You get a $50 free play. Of course, make sure that you subscribe to and review the podcast as well. As always, if there is something that you want me to talk about on the show, feel free to hit me up at GaryWCE on Twitter or email me, Gary at com. or, as I mentioned, you can always toss it in the comments as well. Uh, Or, you know, even in a podcast review on Apple Podcast, Like, I hope that you all have wonderful weekends. Absolutely wonderful weekends. But until next time, take care of yourself. Take care of each other. God bless college football. And hopefully, all of your tickets cash this week.